This is Alex Moskowitz of the Emery Wheel and Aaron Perlstein of BPA Hoops. You're listening to the Sixth Man Podcast on Anchor.fm. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Sixth Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association. We are back from our nine-month hiatus to provide all of you guys with a valuable distraction during this quarantine. Hopefully, we can make it 2020. Obviously, it's going to go down. It's a horrible year. One of the worst of all time. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we can make it a slight bit better than it's been so far. So today, given that the NBA is suspended, the regular season is likely finito. We are going to give our end of season awards, talking top rookies, breakout players, coach of the year, executive of the year, and of course, the top candidates for MVP. So Aaron, give me your top three rookies and a dark horse that you believe will become a very good player in the near future. All right, well, my top two are easy. It was the first top two picks of the draft. <laughs> I mean, everyone knew exactly who was going one and two. Uh, you know, it was inevitable, and it made sense. Um, and my rookie of the year is definitely John Morant. I think he did so much um, in the beginning of the year, like in throughout the whole year. I mean, he was the leader for the Grizzlies. He, you know, facilitated their offense. He, you know, he just showed so much supreme confidence in himself. Um, and then, yeah, obviously we saw Zion, you know, <clears throat> turn it up in the second half of the season, but um, I didn't think it was enough to surpass John Moran. I mean, what we saw from John Moran was one of the best uh, rookie uh, seasons in the last few years. I mean, <clears throat> he had 3.4 win shares, which is a win share is a, how much one player contributes to a win. 3.4 is unbelievable for a rookie. Um, that's, you know, unseen before um and obviously you know zion second um you know he's a generational talent we saw him he even shot 46 percent from three which you know he's obviously expanding and developing his game which is what one big knock on him that he had to do um one thing is he just has to stay healthy and then uh dark horse you know maybe i'm biased but i would have to say uh kobe white you know second half of the season we saw him really turn it up um like really you know, have find confidence in his shot, find confidence in his distribution, which, you know, was, a, was one big knock on him that he was he didn't have any real um, point guard skills, but he showed it next to Zach Levine. Um, and, you know, the Bulls might have really gotten what they asked for in Kobe White. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Rookie of the year has to be John Morant. He improved the, <clears throat> the Grizzlies dramatically, currently has them in the eighth spot in the Western Conference, it looks like a lock that they're going to make the playoffs. Yep. So, and, I mean, they really had no expectations coming into the season. It's amazing that he did that. He's averaging 17.6 points per game, shooting a good percentage from three. Big knock on him coming out of college was that he couldn't shoot the three well. I think he shot around 34% at Murray State. But he showed an ability to finish inside and finish outside, finish on all three levels. Um, so, uh, and also, really takes care of the ball properly. Uh, better than two to one assist to turnover ratio. Only knock on him is defense. Uh, really showed kind of a lack of effort. Lackadaisical. Some would say matador defense. <laughs> given that he averaged less than one steal as a point guard and only picked up one point five fouls. 
right. clearly means he's not trying. He's not going over screens hard. He's not uh, checking his man. He's not getting into the body, and he's not providing enough defense um, uh, as, a, as the point guard, as the first line of defense. So, obviously, he was incredible this year. Zion, generational talent, athleticism, rebounding, three-point stroke that you didn't see at Duke. Um, and he significantly improved that Pelicans team when he came back. It was really amazing. Yep. Um, and, I mean, knock on him, obviously, injuries. Past three years, high school, college, and the pros, he's, he's missed significant amount of game time mm-hmm. uh, through different injuries. Right. And especially with such a freak athlete, 6'7", 285, with that jumping ability, you really worry about his ability to stay healthy. So uh, that's the real question with Zion. But if he does – generational talent he's got i mean he reminds me of Embiid a little bit and be like an incredible talent obviously a little bit different because i think zion has even higher upside than Embiid. Mm -hmm. but you see what Embiid has been able to do when he stayed healthy probably the best center in the league and the knock coming out of kansas was that he couldn't stay healthy and he didn't play his rookie season but third rookie i like kobe white he's got a bit of cj mccollum in him Mm-hmm. improved his playmaking skills, and obviously showcased uh, a lot of scoring, especially towards the end of the season. Um, DeAndre Hunter, 3 and D wing, showed an ability to shoot the three uh, and contribute for a really bad Hawks team. Yeah, but unexpectedly. I know. I thought they'd make real strides this year, but they're yeah. right at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They're even worse than my Knicks. <laughs> Speaking of my Knicks, my third best rookie, R.J. Barrett. It's my boy right there. Oh boy. Listen, he struggled early on. Don't get me wrong. But he had some great games. And he, throughout his struggles, he, was never, he never um, demonstrated a lack of confidence. And that's the thing you want to see out of your rookies. You want to see your rookies continue to put up shots and continue to be confident in their ability given that it is a huge adjustment coming from the college game. Uh, and in March, you saw that 18.7 points per game, 44.8% shooting, much better. Obviously, he has to get better on the defensive end, um, better in terms of playmaking, less turning the ball over. But he has succeeded at every level of basketball. High school, number one player coming out of high school. Uh, number, two, number three pick coming out of Duke, average 23 points per game. Uh, so... I think he'll get it figured in, and I think he'll be very a very good player. Obviously not John Moran and Zion Williamson level, but he will justify the Knicks pick of him in that number three slot. Um, um, another dark horse for me, Matisse Thibel. Listen, this guy established himself as a really good role player on one of the better teams in the league. Right. Showed an ability. He's already one of the best defenders in the league. Showed an ability to knock down the three, 35%, and – I think if he develops more of his offensive game, you see a really good 3 and D player who will be a good contributing piece on a championship team for 10 to 15 years. So he already knows his role, and you saw that with the fact that Brett Brown trusted him to play in nearly every game and play 20 minutes a game. So I really like Matisse Thibel. Definitely, of course. I agree. I think he's Tybal, you know, he's definitely shown promise and someone that, you know, is going to just continue to be on all defensive uh, teams of the year. You know, someone that's just going to lock down every game. 
maybe not the crazy contributor on the offensive end, but, you know, he knows his place, which is very important with a player. Um, response to R.J. Barrett, you know, obviously everyone, all our viewers know that I was not high on him in the draft either. Um, if we, you know, go back to win shares, which is how much a player contributes to a win, how much? Oh, it's probably negative. It is negative. It is negative 0.5, and he is 51st out of 53 eligible rookies this year. Um, I mean, if you want to look at field goal percentage, you know, he was drafted, but he's 29th in field goal percentage out of rookies. Um, Trust me, as a Knicks fan, I was as frustrated with RJ Barrett as anybody, especially in the beginning of the year. He looked like a fish out of water. Wouldn't stop shooting, uh, took horrible shots, always went to his left, showed complete tunnel vision going to his left turned the ball over constantly, played horrible defense. But I saw improvement, especially in the last game of the season against against the Hawks, where he shot the ball better, and he just grew into the game. He showed more poise, patience. I saw a guy that was rushing like crazy the first 20 games. Right. I mean, but the, the biggest game slowed out. down for him. The and biggest he succeeded at every level, and I think you saw glimpses of that towards the end. You saw yeah. glimpses of that with the Houston Rockets game where the Knicks knocked off the Rockets, um, where he knocked down the big basket for the Knicks. Mm. Obviously, he went to his left like usual, but but still. I mean, the biggest knock on him was his free throw. Free throw. I mean, at a player like that, 6'5", you know, the two position, he should be able to just – those should be free buckets. And someone, some place he should be getting 13, 14 times a game. I mean, he was 35th in the rookies in field goal perc- in free throw percentage at 61%. I mean, if he's not going to convert on those, I mean, I don't know what we're really going to see out of him because, you know, the big thing that people compared him to was like James Harden, someone that can just generate offense. Where does James Harden get most of his offense? It's from the free throw line. That's gets where he gets, you know, his just – patience in the game is control like he just continues to score at the free throw line and if rj bear can't do that i mean and he can't live up to those comparisons and what he's supposed to become i mean we'll see what he becomes okay so from developmental pieces we're going to go to the guys that developed specifically this year who broke out so give me a few of your breakout players I mean, I think first, Pascal Siakam. Um, I Beast, mean, bro. What a meteoric rise. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, if I, I was I – I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say that – Yes, I, I remember. I didn't – In our episodes, you, you knocked the rafters. Yep, I did. kissed my boy, Pascal. Yep. Now listen, I did. He proved you wrong. You proved the haters wrong. Yep. No, I agree. I, I thought the rafters were going to drop. Drop in the standings without Kawhi Leonard. Didn't you think they wouldn't make the playoffs? I did. I did think they weren't going to make the playoffs. And they Uh, have the third best record in the entire NBA. I don't think it was anyone but Pascal Siakam. I think he showed. Norman Powell, bro, took a huge step. Yeah, I mean, I just think Pascal Siakam showed just that he could be a franchise player. I mean, obviously he had the size, he has the shooting. You know, that's exactly the prototype of the four in this in this NBA. You know, someone that could stretch the floor. But he does it with such efficiency. Um, you know, he really has the defense guessing when he's at the three-point line. 
And not only that, I mean, he could finish on both ends, both sides, and he's a great defender. Um, you know, I see really, really bright future for him. Um, I mean, another one for me is uh, Bam Adebayo. I mean, yeah, Bam. Mm. I mean, he just went off. You know, he's really just became someone that we really didn't expect him to be. You know, someone that's bringing up the ball, someone that's distributing and being the focal point of the offense. Um, you know continuing to just play inside out he he could shoot the mid-range effectively he was you know bullying other centers down low he was an unbelievable rim protector I mean he's you know I did not see this coming from Bam Adebayo and he's 100% going to become an all-star well he was I think he was an all-star this past year right oh right yeah but I'm saying a recurring all-star yeah Bam Adebayo I call him a Swiss army knife Dude can do everything. Double-double, uh, over five assists per game with a one block and one steal. Does it on both ends. And he went from playing 23 minutes a game, so he was a rotational piece, to being um, the center, the focal point of that offense. Yep. Meteoric rise for Bam Adebayo. One guy I'd like to shout out, because I feel like the guys who play well on bad teams don't get enough love. Mm-hmm. Dude. Bradley Beal, he's a, he's a bad man. He's a flat-out baller. Listen, 36 minutes per game, averaging over 30 points per game, second in the NBA in scoring, shown an ability to facilitate for his teammates with 6.1 assists, also does it on the defensive end with over one steal per game, and he has completely emerged from John Wall's shadow since John Wall's been injured, and he has firmly become – the face of that franchise. A shitty franchise, nonetheless. Right. But, I mean, going into the season, we thought the Wizards were going to be historically bad. Right. And the fact that they even have 24 wins is because of Bradley Beal entirely. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think I can definitely see how you could say he's improved. I mean, he's done that year in and year out i'm just waiting for him to get out of you know the jail in washington you know for him to actually thrive um another big most improved player uh someone that you know someone could actually get the award someone that we're really not talking about is brandon ingram um you're right you're completely right this dude just turned it up in new orleans um he looked like a fish out of water I mean, he, Los Angeles. he increased his points per game by six. He, he shot the ball better than he's ever shot before, um, like routinely better. I mean, his effective field goal percentage was up near 53%. Um, his uh, three-point percentage was at 38%. That's totally fine for a small forward. Um, played defense. And he just became – he's like the leader for the New Orleans Pelicans now. And he's someone that – can grow with Zion, someone that could teach Zion, um, and someone that I think can 100% win the Most Improved Player Award. Um, someone that, you know, he just showed everything that he was capable of and why people were happy that the Lakers took him at number two in 2016. I completely agree. Brandon Ingram, obviously making his first All-Star team this year, can score on all three levels has the length uh, to be a good wing defender. A little scrawny, but, uh, but he has shown that that hasn't been that big of a, 
of a deal for him, especially with less post-ups being used than ever. So he's really a very good modern day three. And people were comparing him to Kevin Durant coming out of college. I never thought that, given that I'm a huge Duke fan. I didn't see those comparisons. Mm-hmm. But he has become probably the closest thing to Kevin Durant because right. he's so long, 6'9", obviously very skinny, great speed, athleticism, can score on all three levels. Um, and he's shown an ability to uh, get to the free throw line and finish at the rim this year, which he didn't show in L.A. So, uh, Brandon Ingram, it's been fantastic this year. Another guy I have to shout out, Jason yep. Tatum. All right. Jason yep. Tatum has improved his game dramatically, become mm-hmm. a really, really good three-point shooter. Um, obviously improved his points per game by eight points uh, and really picked up the slack for Kyrie Irving leaving. Right. He's a great defender over one steal and one block per game. That was one part of his game that I didn't know about, especially coming out of Duke. And he didn't really improve that in his second year. Didn't take that big step in the second year. He kind of had that sophomore slump. Right. But he really emerged this year. And, and the only thing that worries me with Tatum is that he doesn't get to the free throw line enough. And that's why you see these really lopsided uh, – these lopsided um, – or the, some, some bad field goal uh, percentages – uh, for games, you know, you'll see a nine for 27. Then you'll see a 12 for 20, and you'll be like, wow. And he shoots eight for 12 from three. But when he's not shooting the three well, given that he has relied on it more than ever, especially since he relies on the three off the dribble, not right. necessarily spot ups, that does worry me that he doesn't get to the line that much. So he can be prone to very good games and some very, very bad ones. No, um, I agree. But. Uh, I mean, but I th- after our breakout players, we got to get we, we have to get to the cream of the crop. Come on, let's yep. get to the cream of the crop already. So, who are your top five for the MVP? I mean, to me, it's really not like that open of a race that everyone thinks it is. Um, I yeah, mean, it's clear for me. What too. we saw from Giannis um, was, I mean, I say a top fifty individual season we've ever seen in the history of basketball. Um, I mean, his effective field goal percentage is at 58%. Uh, he averaged 29. Is that the, is that the most in the league? One of them. One of them. I guess Mitchell Robinson's probably higher. Yeah. He's, he's Mitchell Robinson, 72%. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, I I mean, for Giannis's, the amount and his usage rate, I would say that's unbelievable for 58%. Um, he even upgrade. He even increased his points per game from last year, his MVP season. Um, he even he increased his rebounds per game, his assists per game, his steals. Um, I mean, he's someone that just continued to improve from, and he got MVP last year. I mean, the Bucks are now sitting at the top of the East easily, uh, one of the best, probably the best team in the league right now. Um, I don't see how you could put anyone else above him if he got it last year he and he made his team better he made himself better like what else is there i completely agree listen they're the best team in the league they have the best record and they looked unbeatable before he went down and got injured before the coronavirus break right and in the game where everybody else was playing 
against the Phoenix Suns, everybody else in their rotation, all the big, um, all their other big players, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. Right. Typically, they are the best defensive team in the NBA with him. Mm-hmm. They gave up 140 points to the Suns, who are not even in the playoff picture in the West. Right. You see the disparity between when Giannis is on the floor and when Giannis is off the floor? So, like, throw all the individual accolades out of there. Because Harden, Harden has incredible individual stats. But the difference that Giannis makes when he's on and off the court, you saw that in those last two games that he didn't play because of injury. And the Bucks, you're not even sure if they're making the playoffs without him. Right. Let alone being the front runner for the NBA championship. Right. So Giannis, hands down, has to be given the MVP award this year. I mean, he's two for me is LeBron, though. Yeah. LeBron has had an incredible season. He's become a better, I mean, he was always a great passer, but he's leading the league in assists as a small forward, averaging more than 25 points per game, and doing all that for the team with the second best record in the NBA behind the Bucs. Right. So, especially since people started to doubt LeBron uh, last year when he got injured, he didn't play as well, missed the playoffs for, uh, for the first time in his career. And there were serious question marks about whether LeBron was even a top five player in the NBA anymore. And I think he showed the haters. Um, he showed the haters up. Yeah, no, I think definitely. He had an incredible uh, season. Yeah, no, he did. Uh, I mean, I think the more – exciting season for me was his teammate uh, Anthony Davis you know what I saw next to him was unbelievable I mean I would definitely think about putting him above LeBron in the MVP race I mean that's just me LeBron does more on the court LeBron gets Anthony Davis the ball in those positions I don't know I mean when when he was taking rest games Anthony Davis went off Um, you know he's someone that had a higher PER than um, LeBron James, uh, he had the third highest PER in the league. Um, I mean, he had an unbelievable defensive year. Uh, he his block percentage, like the amount of um, <clears throat> amount of blocks that he associated with himself for the Lakers was six point two percent, which is the highest in the league. Um, I mean, he's someone that I saw just with with actual teammates that he didn't have in New Orleans. He was able to thrive and able to get to his spots easily, um, facilitate the ball, and just shoot on every every part of the court. I mean, he was great from three. He was great from the inside. He was someone that, you know, like Anthony Davis, he just continues to progress every single year. I agree. Anthony Davis has to be in the top five. For me, he's ranked five because I think – LeBron does more for the Lakers given that he brings up the ball and he leads the league in assists and averages close to the same amount of points per game. So in my opinion, LeBron has to be above him. Uh, Harden, for me, has to be above Davis too and Luka Doncic. Uh, I mean, Luka is averaging nearly nearly triple-double. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, where would they be without him? Where would they be without him? And Harden has to be just averaging 34.4 points per game and being ahead of Anthony Davis in, in PER. 
he has to be ahead of Anthony Davis. He has to be at number three. So those are my top five. Next, we're going to get to the front office, the guys behind the scenes. Uh, let's hear your executive of the year. It has to be Sam Presti in uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, the ESPN gave them 0.001% um, chance of being in uh, – being in the playoffs and now they're sitting at the, at number five, I believe um, with, you know, very high chance. I think they're three games out of the two seed. to be honest with you. Um, Chris Paul has made a huge impact on Shy Gills' um, progress, which I said was going to happen. Um, I mean, Shy Gilligas, he seems like he's just someone that could be a franchise player. Um, and, you know, on top of that, Stephen Adams still has some fuel. Um, Nilo Gallinari, uh, you know, and they just have players that, you know, are looking to get back to where they were in their careers, and they're showing. I mean, the what he did with the Paul George trade, I mean, yeah, he lost Paul George, but we talked about it. That's six first-round picks with SGA. I mean, that's unbelievable, and that, I think, 100% warrants executive of the year for him. Yeah, Sam Bresti did an incredible job. I personally think the head coach of the year should go to Billy Donovan because obviously he got Chris Paul to buy in. Chris Paul wanted a buyout immediately after getting traded to the Thunder, but Billy Donovan convinced him that this was a project worth investing in and convinced him to stay and, like you said, mentor a really great young talent in Shai Gilgis-Alexander. Shai Gilgis-Alexander got way better this year. I think a lot of that was due to the type of system that Billy Donovan built around him with a lot of space so he could have driving lanes. Uh, obviously, getting the best out of Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder became a really good player. Like 19 points per game, 47% from the field. Previously, when they acquired him, he was an inefficient backup point guard. Right. And he's become a really good player alongside Chris Paul and Shai Gilgis-Alexander. Um, also, Danilo Gallinari, putting him at the four. Um, like you said, that stretch four who can shoot the three extremely well. And he's having a career year, too. So I think Billy Donovan should get NBA head coach of the year. And obviously, Sam Presti could also get executive of the year, given that he got six first-round picks back for Paul George and Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who looks like a future all-star for sure. Uh, but for me, the executive of the year has to be Rob Palenka, a.k.a. LeBron James and Rich Paul. Exactly. How much did he actually do? <laughs> but he did surround LeBron with the pieces necessary to, in my opinion, be the favorite to win the championship. Given that they really started to round into place before the break. Obviously, we'll see what happens after the break. This is unprecedented circumstances. And they really started to come together in jail. They beat the Clippers on the road, uh, beat the Bucks at home. And those are, the two, those are the two teams that are considered the biggest threats to the Lakers. And they, be, they beat both of them right before uh, the COVID-19 break. Right. But getting a bunch of shooters around LeBron, making the, honestly, the risky move cons- uh, to get Anthony Davis, given that, he still hasn't committed to re-signing with the Lakers. He's still going to test free agency. Yeah, no, that's true. And 
giving up that much, like, um, I mean, that's risky just yeah. inherently. So I have to say Rob Polinka. I mean, they missed the playoffs last year, had a wacky bunch around LeBron. Even if LeBron was healthy, they still probably would have only made it like to the five or six seed. Right. I don't think they would have gotten far in the Western Conference. So to rebuild that team that quickly, especially taking over in that power move from Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. I think he has to be executive of the year. And another dark horse for me, or another candidate for me for head coach, has to be Nick Nurse. 100%. I agree. I mean, I He's think- done a better coaching job this year than he did last year when they won the championship. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, obviously I said, and I – owned up to that I was wrong about my expectations for the Raptors. Um, And I think it all goes to Nick Nurse. I mean, he got his team together. I mean, you could definitely see that team, you know, just totally plummeting after Kawhi Leonard. Like, all their morales are low. Everything is low. And they just lost Kawhi Leonard. Like, what's the point now? Like, we could just rebuild. Um, But he got his team just in tip-top shape. He competes with every single coach every single night. He, you know, he seems like he's the better coach every single night. Um, the plays that come out of out of bounds plays, just his his overall systems. I mean, he seems like he's going to be an unbelievable coach for the for years coming, and I think he de- can definitely deserve this coach of the year. Definitely, yeah. I mean, he exceeded expectations dramatically. Right. To be able to pivot from. Kawhi Leonard, they they pursued him heavily. And to be able to pivot like that and develop Pascal Siakam, uh, give Norman Powell the confidence to step up and be a very good player for them. Kyle Lowry's still there. Obviously, they have the other guys, but they're a phenomenal defensive team. They share the ball. They play well together. Pascal Siakam is the star, but he's not – a top 10 superstar top 10 player in the in the league yet i don't think mm-hmm. and to be able to have the third best record in the league despite that is incredible i would also put another dark horse uh eric spolstra um i agree eric spolstra's done wonders with that team right i mean we all were like why would jimmy go there like what's he see there and what like it's 100 percent more into i mean they're one of the up-and-coming uh, program like up and coming teams there. I mean, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyro Hero. I think that's an unbelievable core to build around, an unbelievable system. And Eric Spolstra had them competing this year, 100%. Yeah, and also finding effective roles for guys who were like completely, they were unheralded at all. They were both undrafted players coming out of college, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, and making them like effective. NBA players. Kendrick Nunn was one of the best rookies in the in the entire NBA. Obviously, finding him that goes to Pat Riley, but developing him, the credit has to be given to Eric Spolstra. Well, side so, side point. I just want to point out, just based on the insider information, Kendrick Nunn was high on a lot of boards, but he ended up with some trouble with uh, the law, and that's what dropped him. Just saying. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, but he was. He was floundering in the D-League. Yes, he was. And he was a 24-year-old rookie. Nobody expected anything out of him. Duncan Robinson, obviously he was a shot maker at Michigan, but he was coming out of 
he transferred to Michigan from Williams College, D3. Mm-hmm. And he was not expected to, like, make the NBA, let alone thrive and be one of the best three-point shooters. So, um, so tons of credit has to be given Derek Spolstra. So, guys, that is our NBA season recap. We will be, be back very soon with our last dance reaction. Um, so thank you guys for listening. We will see you soon.